freezer. Yep, and I remembered it about Crossful. I remembered it about the time I was almost home. I was like, I bet Trey didn't pick up that sausage. No, I, I, I got it from here. Oh, you did? It did make it home. I made it home. I left it in my freezer at the oh, house. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. You can at least try it. I did start to leave before I remembered it, so oh. you were half right. But no, I, I I got it from here. I just left it in my freezer at the house because I'm not used to bringing groceries on the right. trip. I'm not usually responsible for that, and it just slipped. I, I forgot a few things this time. I'm going to have to start packing for camping a week early. How was it? Oh, it was a blast. So um, we did a, a full pig roast. Which, actually, let's, I'll tell a couple of camping stories once we get the cigars lit. So, uh, we're doing something that we've been talking about doing on this show for ages. Which is, we both went into the humidor here. Now, I, I will ask a qualifying question. Sure. Did this come out of the humidor here? Yes, it okay. did. So, both of our cigars came out of the humidor here at the shop. We selected for each other and took the band, the wrapper, everything off of it. And we're going in completely blind. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I'm going to describe mine before I light it. Uh, looks like a sun-grown wrapper, Habano wrapper, a little darker than a Connecticut, a little lighter than a Maduro. Traditional Toro size. Got a little tapered, but just slightly. That could be humidity. I think that's a just from taper. sitting in the box. Yeah, and all. But looks like it should be a good medium, mild to medium type smoke, the the cold draw ain't giving me much. It's just kind of a good flat. That's a cigar that I think you like, but I bet it's been a couple of years since the last time you had one. Probably been a while since I had one. So mm. mine, by contrast, is a very dark, I'm going to say, almost looks like a Connecticut Broadleaf. Um, box press, I'm going to guess that's a 6 by 60 because... You know, box press makes a 60 look smaller than it is, it, but it's, it's a big old box press. Um, very toothy wrapper. That's why I think it's broadleaf. A little bit of a vein in it. Um, makes me think probably $10, $12 range, maybe a little somewhere in there. I'm interested. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited we're doing this. I've been thinking about this for a while. One of these days, we'll have to figure out a way to do it totally blind. Uh, Mark at the shop was talking about a couple weeks ago about actually blindfolding and doing the doing the full all the way through the cigar trying to trying to pick it out, which I think would be interesting. Be tough to do the podcast blindfolded, especially trying to keep a dog on the leash. Yeah, yeah. Benny is joining us tonight once again. I did have I had one of those moments with pretentious dog owners at the dog park this week. Oh yeah. Well, there's this. These ladies at the dog at the it's a regular park. It's not a dog park, but it's a park people bring their dogs to to walk. And she has these real this real prissy golden retriever. You know how some golden retrievers look like they're just pampered and spoiled beyond an inch of their life. Mm-hmm. And so Asen walks up and sees her, and he's sniffing her. She's sniffing him. The lady's talking. The lady says, "Oh, this is Lupatasus Casca. Is the dog's name." She says it means happy one with fur. Oh, and my I, gosh. Yeah. I in, said, well, in Sanskrit? What <laughs> language is that? I told her, I said, this is ace. It means best card in the deck. Right. <laughs> so, it means Batman's best friend. Yeah, bat dog. <laughs> so that was my moment of, of the prissy dog owner. You know, don't burden your dog with too much responsibility. I mean, in, in fairness, his actual first name is Benedict. But we just call him Benny. 
So what's interesting is when I first looked at this cigar, I was like, how funny would it be if he pulled a New World out of the humidor, knowing I smoke one you know, multiple times a week, just to see if I could guess it. It's not a New World, but it, it almost has that AJ flavor up front. This is going to be fun trying to figure out what this is. Yeah, this is a, this is a lot milder than I thought it would be. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to get into it to really get some definitive notes and all. So tell me about your camping trip. Yeah, so we did a full pig roast this time, which was a lot of fun. So the way we did it is my brother bought some metal grates and probably two foot by four foot, if I'm remembering correctly, and then cinder blocks, and we made a huge four foot by four foot-ish pit that we fed coals through. The pig was a bit bigger than my brother was anticipating, so we had to modify the design of of the pit to accommodate the size of the pig. This is important later. So, you know... My brother is not like a pit master, a pit boss, but this whole thing was his brainchild, his idea, so he did it. Well, he designed it with only one vent, which any charcoal griller will tell you, you got to have two, but not my circus, not my monkeys, not my place to tell him he did it wrong. Right. So we ended up, and the way we were feeding coals in, it ends up almost directly under the pig. This also comes is important later. So we all take turns through the night. We take shifts, two people at a time, waking up for an hour just to keep. And we we had the three to four shift, and, and my dad and my uncle had had the shift before us. And they were like, you know, we're only, it's it's like staying between 213, 218. You know, we're having a hard time. We're having to feed coals to it every 10, 15 minutes. So I was able to actually, you know, pull the the cover of the vent back and get a little more heated. We got up to about 2.30, and it's, but it makes it through the night, man. It's just perfectly brown skin. Like, it's looking good. Now, was this head on the pig and all? Head on everything. Okay. Then about 7.15, 6, no, 6.45, 7 o'clock, one of the other guys who was up, people were up by this point, he, go, he looks at it and he goes, is that supposed to happen? The entire pit. Is up in flames. <laughs> the grease is dripped down. The gre- so two problems. One, the modification left a gap in the grate, so the belly of the pig was not fully supported by the grate. Right. Which meant as that muscle began to soft, as the as the fat was rendering out of it, it started to slump. As it starts to slump, all of the grease is Pulls kind of into the same spot. into the same spot. Add to that the fact that now... When I'm feeding coals in this thing, I was throwing it in the back corner and the front corner to keep right. it out from being... But everybody else was just kind of throwing coals in there like they were trying to keep a steam engine powered. It ignited and fully engulfed this pig in flames. And we're talking like a coroner would have had a hard time identifying <laughs> the body when it was done. It, But, you know, we were able to peel the peel the skin off of it and and actually uh there's a picture (laughs) (laughs) that does look bad that's pig charcoal (laughs) yeah that's charcoal pig um but it actually it was phenomenal we were able to salvage probably 20 pounds of meat off of it 
And it started as a 100-pound pig, so we were only really expected about 40 pounds of meat anyway. Right. Um, it was it was delicious. Um, so that was exciting and fun. We'd never done that before. We, we learned some lessons. We ended up smoking some chicken wings on it Saturday for dinner, and we re- redesigned the pit, and those were some of the best wings I've ever had in my life. But the, the other fun thing, just real briefly... Actually, I've got another story from the trip, but I'll save it till when we come back from the break so that we're not too heavy up up top. All right. So, from Half Wheel, Cigar Group asked court to vacate deeming ruling for premium cigars. So, last July, they got a major victory. The Cigar Rights of Amer- or Cigar Association of America got a major victory where basically Judge Maida said, hey, the FDA did not follow their own procedures in trying to establish these draconian policies on the cigar industry. Right. Um, I'm editorializing. And so they got the, everything got pulled to a halt for Meta. And basically, he's now got two options. One, he could vacate the rule, which means that basically the, C, the FDA has to start all over and go through the process properly, which to me is the right answer. Or he could remand it without vacature, which would mean that he, the FDA can bring it up to speed. But to me, I think you make them start all over because how, how can they bring it up to speed being as they didn't start right? Well, I think it, as it pertains specifically, because the lawsuit at hand has to deal specifically with the definition of a premium cigar and whether or not that should be included. And I think you can go back and look and say, you're right, based on the evidence that we ignored the first time, we never should have included premium cigars in the first place. Whether or not the FDA actually does that, I'd be surprised. But I could see how we could still get a... Because the thing is, the FDA is going to do what they want to do regardless, right? I mean... Well, well, they're going to try. Exactly. So whether they go back to the beginning, and this is where, you know, the FDA is 100% funded by tax funds. So there's a part of me, even though remanding it is not the ideal situation, it's going to take less of our tax dollars than if they go back to square one. Yes, but the... You don't get a good tree with bad roots, and the roots of this are bad. And no matter how much you do, you know, it's like when I build a deck on a house. If you don't stop when you initially set up the deck and square and level it and get it perfect, the whole process is flawed from that point forward. Right. And I think in some instances, like with a deck, a lot of times it is more effective just to start over. And do it right. And since this is the first time, and I'll give the FDA a little slack, this is the first time they've ever tried to institute something like this. Right. So it is a learning curve. But I think you, I think you absolutely make them start over. And it's kind of, you know, it's like I put in the notes, it's kind of sad to know that from now on, a percentage of whatever we spend on cigars has got to go to fight the FDA to keep them from trying to take them away from us. I mean, to a certain extent, yes. I, I, I read that note and I was thinking, you know, this the lawsuits though are all being handled not by the manufacturers themselves but by cigar rights of america cigar association of america things like that uh, i guess if they have to raise their dues to cover then maybe that falls into but it's not like it's not like the the cost of all these legal fees are going to 
the people who are making the cigars. I don't think we'll see a huge impact here. My theory on this has always been the same, is that the FDA looked at it and they said, okay, we're already milking cigarettes for all we can get. Yeah. And vape has no money. So if we're going to get this thing funded, we're going to have to hit the cigar companies. And I think that's what the the whole motivation for the FDA trying to add cigars to this is. I, I wish there was a chance that if it does become vacated, that they just go, okay, we tried, we failed, move on. Yeah, it's it's one of those things they should, it would be nice if they just vacated it. Or if they offer a compromise, they say, hey, we will write a premium cigar exemption out of this so that we don't have to start over. That would be a third option that I'd be in favor of because premium cigars should be exempted from this by their own definition. And honestly, if they go the remanding route, that could be what we see happen, which could be like, okay, let's let's take your feedback, i.e. Cigar Rights of America, like let's come together, let's let's figure out this. That way they don't have to go back to square one. Um, And that'll all be handled in arbitration behind closed doors. We won't see that. Yeah, we'll just see the results, and that's okay. Yeah. I, if I, I ask you what, see. yeah, if I ask you what time it is, I don't need you to tell me how to build a watch, right? And I'll also, from the new Courier, Athens, Alabama, I just want to hit this this little topic shortly. Local church opposes lounge. So the Marion Street Church of Christ were intending in attendance at the Athens City Council meeting saying that they want to keep 16 Cigar Lounge, a new business, from opening because it's near the church. Yeah, so I have a couple of problems with this. Number one, it's their, their big issue is proximity. A, the local statutes where they are, because they're inside the municipality, uh, uh Proximity regulations, liquor stores, things like that, don't apply because everything's too close together. You can't do that. Right. Number two, churches should not be a part of that to begin with. No. I I understand you can't open a strip club within so many feet of an elementary school. I get that. Um, but churches should not get any sort of exemption or or influence into the planning of the city. That's kind of a First Amendment thing. Yeah, the church shouldn't be involved. I mean, and really, nobody's on their way to church going to see the cigar lounge and decide, oh, I'll go there instead of church. Right. It's just, it's kind of one of those things where it's people with too much time on their hands yeah. sticking their nose where it don't belong. That always bothers me when they do that. But they're going through that and they're arguing that. Um It'll be in the downtown district, this new cigar lounge. And um, I don't know. I don't know why the church is involved in this. I, it, like I said, it's the definition of what you shouldn't be doing as a church. Don't you have somebody you can help? Right. Instead of advancing your own political agenda. Also, New York Health Department testing interest in potential tobacco ban. This is from Cigar Aficionado. The New York Health Department recently commissioned a survey, which means basically they charged a lot of money to somebody to find a good group to agree with them. Right. For a complete tobacco ban on New York City. Okay. So you can... This is state. Yeah. Yeah, New York State. So you can get online and read all the details, but here's the main thing that I want to ask. Why do they want... They, we know prohibition don't work. Right. 
No one wants to admit that prohibition doesn't work. Yeah, and I wonder why that is. Why, if something doesn't work, just admit it doesn't work. Right. Just admit it doesn't work and move on with life. But the um, last month, New York Governor Kathy Hochul's administration saw the New York State Legislature reject a proposal on to the ban of sale of all flavored tobacco. So she's already on her heels. Right. And so she's doubling down and saying, fine, we can't outlaw flavored tobacco, so we'll just try to outlaw it all. Yeah. It, and especially when New York State already has one of the most strict smoking bans in the country anyway. Well, and they've got like, what, 95% tobacco it's tax? It's something ridiculous. I'm I'm going to New York City in the beginning of June. And there's a there's a um, Davidoff Geneva shop near Times Square. There's also a, a Casa there. And I'm really curious to see what their prices are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time to stop in. In fact, I'm picking my hotel based on proximity, both to where I'm going to be for my conference and the cigar shop. Uh, but I'll be curious what those prices look like up there, because you don't. Yeah. You can you can put it in your mind, but it's not until you see that sticker you go, "Oh my gosh!" Well, you just wonder, you know, what works works and what doesn't work doesn't. And the more you you understand that, the easier your life. You know, this morning everybody knows my office has been a disaster. The guys doing the build out of my office has been a disaster. Yeah. So they were supposed to come this morning and change the front door out and put a three-foot front door, twin three-foot front door on the front of my office. The guys got there at 7, and they get ready to tear the door out. The new door ain't there. And I said, no. I said, I will not let you pull a nail until the new door gets here and I measure it. And they're like, well, if the new door's not... um..." (laughs) Sorry, Benny's making himself known. The new door... When it gets here, if we already have the hole open, it'll be quicker for us to install it. I said, I don't care. Till I measure the new door, you're not able to install it. Well, sure enough, the new door shows up about 9.15. How small was it? It it was the right size, but it was the wrong door. It was two two foot eight inch doors instead of a three zero. And I told them, and they wanted to put it in. And I said, listen, you put this in, you're going to fail inspection yet again. Not to mention, it's still not the door that was on the plans. And I, I told him, I said, no. I said, I will not accept this. You will leave before you do that. And to me, if I had let them do what they wanted to and took that out, they'd have had to try to put the old door back in. Can right. you imagine what a mess my office would have yeah. been for the now three or four weeks it's going to take them to put the doors back together? My goodness, this has been a, a headache for you. It ha- it's been so unnecessary a headache. Yeah. And, uh, and I spent all week moving furniture last week and getting everything in my office moved. I forgot how how hard it is to run general labor and all that you have to say, pick up the box, take the box to the trailer, turn yeah. 90 degrees, put the box down, come back. <laughs> you know, you just forget how hard it is to run general labor when you get out of that practice for a little while. That's... That's going back to the camping trip. That's one of the things that's really fun about. Now we have. I'll show you a picture of the way our camp was set up this time. We have four tents, two of which, no, three of which are twelve foot by twelve foot. You know, big standing headroom. One of it, one is an eight foot by eight foot, but it's being retired in favor of another twelve foot tent because we've ten guys. It, it, oh yeah. Um, but we've been doing it for some twenty years. And it's really nice when you go to break down camp and it takes two hours. Everybody knows at least some of what to do. It, it Right. And they kind of know as they're going through, hey, this will make this easier on the back end if I 
Yeah. You know, if I pick up my Snickers wrapper now, we won't have to do a garbage run around the camp when we're done. Plus, we were there. They were doing a prescribed burn. And, I mean, we're talking from here to the Cadillac. We could see it on fire, smoke, and everything. So we knew there were a lot of rangers around. So we actually did a better... We we do a really good job of keeping the trash picked up and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you throw a beer can, it misses the trash can, you pick it up later. We didn't do any of that this time, which did make cleanup a little bit easier. Yeah, it's just, you know... And that's this new, that's this New York Health Department thing. They just don't seem to understand that when they create a black market for cigars, they're just going to be, you know, creating... And it probably... It's not, I'm not going to compare this to establishing the mob via prohibition, but there's going to be an, an organized crime element that yeah. that, get, that benefits from this. Yeah. it It's curious, too, especially in New York City, where, you know, there's a lot of... Even the people who own their homes own them in co-ops and buildings where there are going to be separate rules. And so do you have terrace restrictions and how do you, you know, do you classify that separately? It's, it's going to be a mess. So I know I've smoked this cigar before. It's got a little sweetness to it that I'm catching in it. And I'll, I'm definitely putting it in the cigar around, you know, under $12 category. I'm definitely putting it in there. It's a good mild flavor. I know what it's not. I'm just not sure what it is. It's not an AJ because it don't really have that kick. I wouldn't have done that to you. I wasn't. I, I specifically wasn't going to give you an AJ. Right. Just just to keep me. From, <laughs> well, it'll. It's it's a good stick. It's mild. You know, it's very very mild. So I'll be interested to see as it progresses how it goes. And, all. and, you know, you try to judge this on the taste. You try not to look and say, okay, how big a label did this have on yeah. <laughs> You know, you, tr- you try to stay as honest in these things as you can. So, this, See, mine is interesting because I am, I'm kind of, I am getting some AJ notes, but I know it's not an AJ. I feel it, it's, it's ramping up a little bit that makes, I can't shake that, but I, I would be... This is where it's less about the flavor of the cigar, more thinking. I don't think you would give me an AJ because you know I smoke AJ right every time. Because um, it almost looks like a Requiem, but I don't think it is. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's drawing really smooth, which makes me think it may be a Don Gonzalez. But I don't know that he has any box press in there. I don't, and I don't smoke a whole lot of his his stuff. So I, I'll have to keep going. It, the flavor is excellent. It's a good medium, maybe even medium full. Uh, it's it's right in my wheelhouse. It was an excellent selection on your part. Um, but yeah, I'm no closer to figuring it out than I was when I started. Well, and I am smoking on a dirty palate, which I ain't usually doing when we do something like this. I am this. too. But, you know, it started a little later tonight, getting everything took off, so I had time to smoke a cigar before we actually got started. But I didn't smoke a really strong cigar. It is Nicaraguan, I can tell you that. Yes, you are correct. It is Nicaraguan. And I'm pretty sure this is a Dominican. I'd have to look it up. I think think you're right. I'm pretty sure just from the taste of this. So before we go to the break real quick, um, let's talk about the Freud. Freud. Is it Freud or Freud? It's Freud. Oh, I thought we were going to do SEC before the break. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's do SEC. We'll talk about Freud when we get back. Yeah. The SEC is considering drastic punishments for fans storming the field. So this was a big deal last year 
Seems like it was a bigger deal last year than it was most than it is most years. Seems like there was more field storming going on. I feel like that was because there were more upsets, and I, I feel like I don't actually know your position on field storming. Are you? So well, well let's get to that in a second. So essentially, it's a liability issue. You know, if you've got a whole bunch of people, you know, more than the security can can control in a crowd situation. And they're on public property, so if anyone gets injured, blah, blah, blah. So that's why they don't want it to happen. Well, so I'm okay with the fans storming the field and celebrating with the players. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay when they tear down the goalposts. To me, that's unnecessarily destructive and dangerous. You You should have enough respect for your own field not to want to tear it apart after your after your team wins. So there's a, a interesting history on that, but the the goalposts used to not last nearly as long as they do now, and so it became it was one of those things where they were borderline disposable, and so that was why it became a, they were easy to tear down, and they were going to replace it before the next game anyway. <laughs> Benny has tied himself up. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. That ought to occupy him for a minute, and. So the one thing, so I like, there's part of me that gets it. I am in favor of rushing the field. There's, there's a lot of emotion tied up in these games. And we're talking about, it's not pro. These are people that you have an invested interest in. These are people that you go to school with. These are, you know, there's a, there's a greater sense of pride uh, in, in a college game. There is the, the goalpost. What I think is so funny is that the NCAA, NCAA is who finds you for tearing down your own goalpost. Right. It should be the school. If the if this kind of goes back but to But who's the school going to find? Well, the student body, the student board. Does the student body have a fund? Yeah. Oh, okay. Or they, you know, I went to a technical college. I didn't go to a university, so. Yeah, so there's or or the boosters would pay, you know, whatever. There's there's ways, but if the school's going to allow it, I think you let it happen. I don't think the NCAA needs to get involved here. Well, so the problem is that it gets out of control quickly. You know, you could Okay, like last year when Alabama, when Tennessee beat Alabama for the first time in 15 years. Yeah. That was a storm-worthy mm-hmm. moment. But I think it needs to be that or higher. I don't think just because your team beats the number one team in the country at the time, you get to storm the field. I think it depends. Now, if you're the number five ranked team in the country, no. If you're unranked, yeah, I think you do. I don't know. I, I like to see people celebrate, but I don't know. When it, when it becomes vandalism, I tend to quit. I, and, and I'm with you there. And I could, like, if we were drafting new rules and you said, fine, but you can't tear the goalpost out, I would concede that. Now, I, I still have a piece of the goalpost that I helped tear down when Baylor beat Texas A&M for the first time in a number of years. Overtime victory. We were unranked. They were, like, 12 and, you know, it was we made the, the gutsy play to go for two. This is the old uh, overtime rules where you get a possession. Right. They scored a touchdown and a PAT. So we either had to touchdown and PAT to force a second overtime or chance it go for two. And we made it. That was definitely storm worthy. 
And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, that get up in arms about Storm in the Field. You know, act like you've been there before. I, it's part of the celebration. Well, and I think there needs to be a certain amount of accountability among the student body that they're like, hey, no, there's no need to storm the field here. You know, we just beat Wake Forest. Yeah. We don't need to storm the field here. This is, a, this is very doable without having to do that. And if people could be held accountable and only do it when it really mattered, I'm in. But people doing it just for doing it, no. But by and large, you don't really see that. I feel like most of the time I see someone storming the field, it's specifically after either long-term rivalry victories or major upsets. Or I, I was part of a storm fielding after I had left. the We, we beat... Baylor beat Kansas State in the last regular season of the game of the season. They were not ranked. It wasn't a big deal. But by doing so, we clinched the Big Twelve victory. So that's not, that's not a storm. That's not a storming time. By by winning that game, we became the Big Twelve champions. You don't yeah. think a championship game deserves a? No, nah, no. Nah. I think it's got to have real, you know, real because they give the championship out every year. I think it's got to be more important than that. I don't think it can be just because uh, then it arbitrarily becomes every time somebody wins their division, they decide to storm the field. But I think if if it's done in a way where there's an expectation, if you if if you win at home and and clinch a either either a conference or a national title, that there should be an expectation that folks are going to be on the field and you, you can make it safer you you add stairs you do what, whatever you make it safe to do so because when was the last time you heard about anyone getting injured when there was a field storming like sure it, it rarely happens well and <coughs> excuse me they're proposing that okay say tennessee storms the field this year then they lose their home game against Alabama next year. It automatically becomes a Alabama home game. That, I, that, I don't like that at all. But that, to me, seems like a deterrent. It is. But at the same, when you think about how far in advance these games are scheduled and what other uses these stadiums have, you know, Vandy uh, here in town will do concerts and things like that at their stadium. So all of a sudden you've got to cancel the Beyonce concert because they stormed the field against Kentucky. Yeah, I understand the logistic issues of it, but I think this works better as a deterrent than as the, than the fine does. The fine really means nothing. The fine really accomplishes nothing. Yeah. So this definitely works better as a deterrent when they do that. Well, why don't we break just a little bit early? Why don't nope, we let nope, you... we're late. Oh, are we late? Yep. I'll let you get Benny under control. He's kind of running he's wild. He's wound Yeah, up. he's wound up tonight for some reason. Last time he came here, he just laid down. He's a little wound up tonight. I'll let you get him under control, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about Freud cigars. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who was turned down for membership to the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, Mr. Trey Dedman. 
I, I would be I would be honored to not be admitted into that organization. But that's such a British thing. I was reading as some actor that had actually been a member of the Ministry for Ungentlemanly Warfare. What is gentlemanly warfare? <laughs> yeah, I think gentlemanly warfare went out the window when the machine gun was invented. Yeah, right? by the time you started having war, you kind of left that, but... I don't know. Back in the day when the generals would meet out on the on the battlefield ahead of time and try and establish, you know, a, a, a peace or a treaty ahead of time, I feel like that was gentlemanly warfare. Yeah, but shouldn't you do that long before the two guys are standing there with guns pointed at each other? You, ideally, yes. <laughs> you know, that would seem to be that. So I did have a life-affirming moment in the cigar shop the other day oh, yeah? that I have to share with you. I was sitting up front with some guys, and two of the guys were talking, and they were talking about their job, and they were talking about their wives and their former marriages, and the, and it was, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, this is the most boring conversation I've ever been a part of in my entire life. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, man, are they ever going to quit? And then I thought, you know, Shane, you're not very mature. These guys are sharing their life's experience with one another. They're sharing their thoughts. This is a very adult conversation. This should not be so boring to you as it is. And then my other buddy that was sitting there at the conversation, he texts me, this is the most boring conversation I've ever heard in my life. I said, oh, okay. Maybe it's not just me. Once again, life affirmed. That's funny. (laughs) And some people are just... I always try to steer the conversation to something interesting. Yeah. Something a little goofy. I have no desire to discuss politics, as you well know. Well, it, and it's also like in the cigar shop, typically when people start talking about their wives, it's not complimentary. That's one of the things that I absolutely love about the camping trip. A couple of the folks have been married 12, 15 years. One of them's up 40 years. One of them's 33 and these are all people that genuinely, when we talk about our wives around the campfire, we're saying so with reverence and appreciation, not, oh, you won't believe what the... You know, the well, there's a certain amount of steam we all have to let off about our wives. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure, and absolutely, I'm certain there's a lot of steam Glenda has to let off about me. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. It definitely, that's a tide that both ebbs and flows. Yeah, but... Just keep it interesting. Could you? Can you just say what you got to say and then move on and yeah. start talking about catching hippos or something again or something right. more fun, more enjoyable? I, did we talk about that on the show? Yeah, last week. Okay, I couldn't remember if the if the mics were hot or not. So I posed this to the group on the camping trip. And I was and tip, typically for imagine four other people on the trip plus a few others, but four that think just like I do. Okay. Well, first we need to set it up. All right. Just a quick, just a quick summary. Um, Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos in Colombia started with six. Now there's 170. They're an invasive species. They're damaging the land. The government of Colombia has decided to catch 70 of them and ship them to zoos in India and Mexico. And we were debating what would you charge to catch a hippo? Yeah, and I think we both arrived at around ten, fifteen thousand ahead. Yeah. My dad and my brother sit there, and they're going, okay, well, how are you going to get them there? Were you going to do it on trucks? Do we have access to a train? Do we do, 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 do? And then they, they, they vacillate over all of the... Well, okay, so if you put them on trucks, we can put two 
put one in each cage. We could put two cages front to back and two, stack two high. So you've got four per truck. You're going to have to either buy or build the cage. And they go through the whole thing. And they finally arrive at the number, which is 50000 ahead. Which is three and a, which is two and a half minutes, which was exactly what exactly the, what the, the <laughs> say. That's interesting. I, was like, that they, I didn't know there was a right answer to this question, but apparently you guys nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so still they're thinking, flying to Colombia next month. <laughs> yeah, I'm still thinking fifty grand ahead is a little high per hippo. I'm still thinking ten would be ample. But, you know, plus the life insurance of the three guys that are going to die during the trip. But oh, anyway, well, I, th- I thought that was so funny that they hit the number right on the head. <laughs> so. Freud Cigar Company to launch Sigmund Chapter 1, The Disruptor. And uh, what's the difference in a Freudian and a Jungian? Jungian. Um, There are two schools of thoughts, and I almost looked this up before before we recorded because I had a feeling you were going to ask me that I assumed you would know off the top of your head. That's why I didn't look it up. I I tend to be more of a Freudian, which is basically the ego, the superego, and the id. And... He did a lot with dreams and the subconscious, whereas Jung was more about the human experience. And Carl Jung was the guy's name. And, but I, there's more nuance to it, but it's, it's essentially whether or not you're in control of your thoughts and emotions versus Freud, which was more about your subconscious. Is it nature versus nurture? Is it, can it be boiled down that, that finely? It, it probably, it, it, you, could, you could probably draw that line, yeah. So the cigar comes in one size, a double Corona, seven and a half by 50. I love that size. Mm-hmm. And it's made in the Dominican Republic by the Eladio Diaz and his Tacaba Lacera Diaz Cabrera factory. And it, they say it contains seven distinct tobaccos and five different fillers. And that's all they say. They don't give any more specifics. Yeah. Um, the disruptor will have a run of 3,500 boxes of 10 each. And they're... $42 a stick. This is not a company I'm familiar with. Or like even the factory. Right. So that's a bold move to come right out the gate at $42 a stick. Well, and the article, um, Aficionado, did not do a good job. Okay, is this the cigar that Freud smoked? Is this... Are they paying the family some money for using Freud's name? How's, how's this? You know, if you're going to ask me for $42 for a stick, it's going to need to be a great stick, and it's going to need to be a better story. Yeah. I, I, would, I don't know if, if Sigmund was a particular fan of cigars. He wasn't certainly known for it. But the, the famous joke, which is sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, because you know, a lot of... So Freud coined the term penis envy and so a lot of it anytime you dream of some if you dream of an airplane or a train or a cigar it, it's something to do with you know right and and it was all about phallic imagery um and so i assume this is coming from that line well i will say the one thing they're doing if you look at the picture of the box on the article they have the name of the blender on the box. Yeah. You know, Eladio Diaz's name is on the box. So I am at least a fan of that, but I don't seem, I just, there's no way, there's I no way I guarantee you the bring. story doesn't hold up for to your caliber. No, probably not. It'll be, I'm going to, I wonder if they'll be at PCA, because if they're at PCA and they'll give me one, I'll try it. Yeah. But I, I don't think there's ever a realm where I pay $42 for a, for a stick. Is this a tabernacle? 
You're getting close. That is, it is made by foundation. It is not a tabernacle, but right. it is made by foundation. It just, it hit me all of a sudden. So, moving forward. From Crane's Detroit business. Cigar Lounge to add golf simulator membership as part of renovations. Golf simulators. There's been a lot of talk in here lately about golf simulators. That's one of those things that I don't get. For me, the fun of golf is going out into the golf course, hanging with my buddies, smoking a few cigars, and the golf is tertiary at best. You know, it, it's funny. I think one of the... So, I, what most people love about golf is drinking beer with your buddies, smoking cigars, and then the game of golf, in that order. Right. Maybe a nice walk ruined, but that's it's if but for me, I do like the game of golf, but I hate that it takes four hours, and I hate that you're either too hot or you're too cold or whatever I, let me ask you this let me take a different approach. do you like bowling uh somewhat it but the atmosphere of the bowling alley sitting around. Right, that's part of the experience. That's part of the experience. And and so if you combine that with a love of the sport of golf, you still get to drink beer and smoke cigars. But instead of taking four hours, it takes two because you're not having to walk for your ball. You're not having to find it in the woods. You're not having... It becomes a way to enjoy it when you don't have the time to take a full round. Or if you live somewhere like Detroit where you can only golf about six weekends a year because the weather sucks. I suppose, but I don't know. I'm very compartmentalized. When I go to the cigar shop, I'm at the cigar shop. I don't need to play golf. I don't need to shoot pool. I don't need a pool table in a cigar shop. I don't need, you know, anything like that. We have one night for poker, and that's poker night. And usually I don't smoke a cigar while I play poker. Right. You're too busy doing other stuff. Yeah. Most of the time I'm dealing and keeping the game, you know, in order and keeping the guys from fighting and fussing with each other and doing all of my my usual stuff as commissioner but even if I wasn't commissioner and I was just sitting there to play poker and somebody else was dealing I still don't think I would smoke a cigar it's also for someone who used to sit around the table and just play it's when you're packed in there around the table it's hard to smoke a cigar because you you can't have ashtrays on the table so the logistics of getting between you and the other guy it's it's well, you haven't played since we came here. No, because you've got fewer people per table now. Yeah, now we we limit it six, seven at a table at the most. Yeah, and all uh, there's no more ten man poker tables. I just I put an end to that. Yeah, That's, that was. I, I'd rather have two tables of five than have one table of ten. So would it be better then if it was a little bit different? Let's say they marketed this as Top Golf, but smoking was allowed. Would that be better? Or is it still the simulator part that you... It's the simulator. I don't enjoy the simulator. I don't enjoy the video game aspect and smacking the screen and all that stuff. And there's no satisfaction of seeing the ball fly long and straight. There's no, okay, I'm going to play the course a little. There's no, you know, it's two-dimensional. There's just no... There's no joy in it for me. I don't have any joy in the simulated golf game. Some of those simulators have gotten really good now where you can actually plan your shot to lay up short of the dog leg or to take the left corner. They have gotten much better. Um, But I I can see that. Now, do you feel that way about simulators in general? Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a shooting range simulator, but those are... Yeah, I hate them. Oh, you have? 
Yeah, simulators in general I dislike. Right. To me, I'm either going to do the activity or I'm not. How do you feel? I was actually talking with a coworker before I finished up my day today, and he's about to buy a racing simulator for his for his house. Uh, there's a company in Franklin called Podium One that makes these just insane. I mean, we're talking their base models four grand. They go all the way up to about seventeen. But the seat vibrates and moves. The the they've got all the highest tech. It runs on a bespoke. Uh, custom gaming PC that's only been... Now, for something like that where you can't even buy a race car for less than you can buy that simulator, but you can race any track on... You don't have to pay for gas and tires. Would you be... If, if no. it were something that you couldn't... No. No. You you just... No. I'm, if I'm going to play a video game, I'll just play a video game. I'm not going to play an expensive video game, and I'm not going to try to simulate doing something... I'm either going to do it or I'm not. I just, I, you know, to me, the point of racing is not the driving. It's the feeling, the speed. It's the physiological part. But you get that I in these simulators now. Uh, there's no way the simulator simulates the speed it, to you. It's close. I, I've, I've been in some really nice sims, and it, it's close. Because I've, I've also been in a race car on a racetrack driving around Road America, and... So I've experienced that, and I can tell you that some of these simulators are getting real close. Yeah, I'm just I'm out. I, but I and, I and that may be a, it. May not be a knock on golf simulators. It may be that I don't care for simulators as a whole. And that's fine. I can I can understand that. But I don't think a simulator in a cigar lounge. I think it's going to end up gathering dust and sitting around a lot more than it's going to actually get used. See. That's where I, I'm never, you know, I haven't played golf in six years and I would love to, but I sold my clubs and I'm, I know I'm not going to play enough at this point in my life to justify buying new clubs. So that's kind of what keeps me from it. But if there were a simulator set up in a cigar shop, I'd, I'd be there all the time. Hmm. Interesting. It's different perspectives, different I, people. I do like the simulator thing because it, it, it allows you to do things that other logistic reasons prevent you from doing it. So the other big thing right now in bars and such is axe throwing. Yeah. We did a bunch of that on the camping trip. I really think axe throwing is a flash in the pan. I think it's yeah. in about minute fourteen fifty nine at this moment. Yeah, it's it can't it can't sustain. It's one of those things that it's it's fun a couple times. But what they charge to, to go do it is not is not comparable to the amount of enjoyment you get out of it. Yeah, I don't get it. So let's move on to our topic. Yeah. From Holtz Clubhouse, the top five movies to watch while smoking a cigar. I, so, I, I want to go on record before we even get started and say I hate this list. I can get that. Yeah. I can get that. So It's not that I think they're wrong. But I hate the list, and I'll, and I'll tell you why when we get into it a little bit. Well, let's, so let's go through our list, and then we'll set up our parameters. All right. So the list that Holtz put out, number one, The Darkest Hour, and all the, Gar- the Winston Churchill, Gary Oldman movie, which I still haven't seen. It's good. Eh, it's not my thing. I get that. I, I, I hear enough. It, it's a war movie without the war. Yeah, and I hear enough about Churchill That's in this shop without having to do that. All right, Goodfellas. Great half a movie. Yep. 
I mean, half of that movie is great. The back half of the movie, I don't care nothing for. Yeah. When it starts getting into all the drugs and the... Yeah, the, when, the, when they shoot Pesci, I'm out. Yeah. And all, if I spoiled it for you, sorry. But when they shoot Pesci, I'm out. Scarface. I hate this movie. I do, too. I don't see any... I don't get it. I don't understand the draw of it. I'll never understand the whole Scarface thing. See, I thought you were going to tell me that you liked the movie. I was surprised to find that we agree on that. So, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Okay, this is a great movie, but it's too long for cigar cinema. Mm -hmm. It's too long for a movie. It's definitely too long for cigar cinema. Right. And The Godfather. Again, too long a movie. Someone did a... Someone made a super cut of Godfather 1 and 2 in chronological order where it starts in... And that was really cool. I don't know if you've ever seen it that way before. I'll have to see if I can find where you can get it. Well, I I don't know. I'd have to... But to me, okay, so the parameters here for what would make good cigar cinema... First, I want to talk about length. Two the, hour max. Yeah, length of the movie should not extend past two Toros. I think two cigars, because two cigars in a row is going to be my limit almost all the time. Right. I don't think the movie, and it to me, it shouldn't be a movie that you have to be too enraptured in, that you're so involved in you can't follow the cigar and you can't joke with your buddies and it just to me it needs to be a summer movie it needs to be a lot of action a lot of and i'm gonna say it needs to not be a movie you've not seen before if if we're talking about cigar cinema being appointment viewing where you get a group together you're gonna smoke cigars or watch a movie it needs to be a movie that you that you've seen before yeah that you're familiar with that it's a that it's a familiar movie that you've been around um these long epics just don't work for me. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's and I think they made this list kind of for that. Which is funny because Quiet Man definitely falls outside of our timeline um, restriction, it, but it moves along pretty good. It moves along, and they hit the jokes, and they move on. And yeah. I think that's a big part of it. They hit the points, and then they keep moving. They don't never trudge down and explain to you what's going on it's just hey here's what you know it's it's very easy to follow you don't have to and it's got a great score the score really helps but it's not hard to follow what's going on in the quiet man and i'll um what is the best cigar movie what best movie you've ever seen while sitting in a cigar shop um i've not i've not really sat down and for the purpose of watching a movie in a cigar shop I don't think there's ever because usually and this is a difference in the way that you and I do the cigar shop I'm a, I'm an afternoon evening or a, I'm, I'm a day guy I'm usually right. there working or, or or something and so I, I'm not usually there for the night crowd when the when this kind of thing happens well you know we were at the other shop. And young man there that was much younger than I was had never seen Roadhouse. Yeah. Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. That does not hold up. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Sam Elliott, Patrick Swayze. Wonderful, wonderful movie. And I'll, it's, But it's not meant to be a thought-stirring epic. It's meant to be Patrick Swayze punching people and Sam Elliott being Sam Elliott. Right. 
So, but I did have this argument because Derek doesn't like Roadhouse either. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's a fun movie, but it just you you're very much watching it through the lens of what the year it was made. And so comedies are okay. But you're not necessarily, if you're at the cigar shop hanging with your buddies, you're not necessarily paying attention. That's the thing. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss the jokes. You're going to miss the punches. Um, you know, I, I think, contrary to popular belief, anything MST3K doesn't work. Uh, I've done that a time or two. because then What is MST3K? Mystery Science Theater. Oh, yeah. Because and you would think it would work out because that's what you're going to do when you say. But then you're talking over their jokes and they've got professional writers. Theirs are better, right? Um, you know, I I suggested for Halloween this year we do Cigar Cinema with Young Frankenstein, which is one of my favorite movies. It's lighthearted. The the jokes come, they land, they move on. It doesn't drag. Well, and it has good physical humor, right? Good physical. I think if you're going to do a comedy, you got to do one with really good physical humor. It need if it's going to be rated R, it needs to be a soft R. Yeah, you don't need to be watching, you know, a lot of boobs in the cigar shop and things like that. Yeah, you don't want anything too offensive. You know, most you know there are some rated R films that are very offensive, and there are some that are just because they throw the f word around. Um, I, I I think, but the, yeah. So my my issue with the list here that they darkest hour is only on that list because Churchill was a cigar smoker. Right. And even when they describe the movies, they talk about, Oh, well, you know, in Goodfellas, they smoke a lot of cigars. Oh, in Scarface, he's always got a cigar in his mouth. Good, bad, and the ugly goes without saying, you know, that's, you don't have to have a cigar in the movie for it to be a cigar, cigar cinema movie. Right. You can just relax and enjoy it. I'll be interested you know, the biggest thing in movies is all the Marvel movies. And I'm not a fan. I don't think they're going to age well. I don't think so either because they're... Part of the reason they're so popular is because of the way they, they interweave the storylines between all of the various movies. But unless you've got the opportunity to sit down and watch all 37 movies in the right order, it, it's not going to connect. Well, there's some of them that stand on their own. Yeah, but it also, they most of them are impressive because they're pushing the envelope of what's possible with CGI and practical effects and things like that. And once we get to a point where we've seen it before, like, when was the last time you went back and watched Avatar? You know, it was yeah. cutting-edge CGI effects at the time. Now it just looks dated and old, and I think that's what we're going to see with the Marvel movies. Yeah, I don't think time is going to be kind to them. I think they're going to kind of pass by because they did do... I don't mind having an overarching theme. And when they started with the Avengers, it wasn't so... Right. You know, phase one was not so locked in that you couldn't watch a movie individually. Yeah. Now it's so locked in. And you've got to watch the TV shows now. And you've got to do... It's just... It's too much. Yeah. They're, they're asking for too much commitment from me. Um, I think... I think Cigar Cinema needs to be somewhat story-driven. Like, Rocky is a good example. It's an action movie. You know, it's, but it's also a very story-driven movie, and I think I think you need kind of that that blend. You need something happening on screen that every once in a while you're going to go, "Oh, what was that?" Right. But it's funny because if you watch Rocky, you know, Kroll always makes this point. If you watch Rocky without the sound on, you see they're missing the punches by a mile. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And all, if you don't hear the smack, your brain doesn't forge that connection. Yeah. 
But I don't know about the cigar. So let's go back to our cigars, our blind cigars. I'm not sure what this is. Um, I know what it isn't. I know it isn't an Altadese product. The wrapper is too toothy. Mm -hmm. So I can take Altadese out out of the package. I'm wanting to say it's a La Polina. That it could be a La Polina, probably either the Sumatra, probably the Sumatra, or the Sun Grown. But the La Polina is a little boxier than this, but it has that flavor profile. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steer you here and let you know that I looked it up. It's not Dominican. It's Honduran. It's a Honduran cigar. Okay. Yeah. That changes a little, but I don't know. I'm kind of stumped. If I had to hazard a guess, thinking of the Honduran cigars that we have in there, I'm thinking it came from the right side or the left side of the hum- or right side of the humidor as you go in. Thinking about halfway back. I don't know what is it. Illusione Epernay. Oh, Epernay. Okay. Yep. Now, now that you say that, it makes perfect sense. That's yep. exactly what it is. A cigar I figured you liked, but mm-hmm. probably walk by it more often than you pick it up. Probably do. So, what's your judgment on yours? You already know it's a tabernacle. Or it's not a tabernacle. It's, it's a, a foundation. foundation. Well, the only other... It's not an Olmec. I, based on the darkness of the wrapper, I'm going to have to say it's a wise man Maduro. Nailed it. Yeah. Wise Man Maduro, he was here the other day, and I wanted to get you something I knew you'd like, but you probably hadn't smoked in a little while, mm-hmm. and when he was in here for poker, I, I got a couple then, <sighs> as part of that, so, but anyway, so since we've, <laughs> since Benny has just signaled the end of the show. <laughs> I knew, th- I thought I had a few more minutes. <laughs> and all, but how did they get a hold of us, Trey? <laughs> Jesus. Facebook.com slash the cigarcast, Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast, email info at thecigarcast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.